When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Okay, the title of the, today's blog, or that what became the blog and now has turned it into a podcast, was kind of funny. Life, love, life, and leaf litter, which kind of sums up like my whole experience, doesn't it? But the point of it's really simple. We love the idea of using leaf litter in aquariums. Probably no one more than me is obsessed with leaves in the aquariums. There may be a few people, but I'm pretty geeky about it. Pretty much everything that we work with in the botanical-style aquarium world, at least in the world here at Tannin Aquatics, is based on leaf litter. So, like, what's the big idea? Well, what are the implications for leaf litter in our aquariums? Well, they're as functional as they are aesthetic in our world. Decomposing leaves recruit biofilms, serve as fuel for the growth of fungi and microorganisms, which in turn provide supplemental food for our fishes. And of course, we have to consider the impact of these materials on water quality. Now, dead dried leaves, such as those we favor, don't have nearly the impact on water quality in terms of nitrate as fresh leaves would. I've routinely seen undetectable nitrate levels in aquariums loaded with botanicals. This is largely because dead dried leaves have depleted the vast majority of stored sugars and other compounds which lead to the production of nitrogenous substances in the confines of an aquarium. To understand this more fully, let's look at what happens when a leaf dies and falls into the water in the first place. At some point, the leaves of deciduous trees, which, tree, you know, those are trees that, shred, that, that shed their leaves annually, they stop photosynthesizing in their structures and other metabolic processes within the leaves themselves begin to shut down, which triggers a process in which the leaves are essentially passed off. They, they pass off very valuable nitrogen and other compounds to storage tissues throughout the rest of the tree for utilization. Ultimately, the dying leaves seal themselves off from the tree with a layer of spongy tissue at the base of the stalk, and the dry skeleton falls into off the tree. So kind of a, uh, an interesting function there, isn't it? And as we know by now, when these leaves fall into water or are immersed following seasonal rains, they form a valuable substrate for fungi to break down the remaining intact leaf structures. And the fungi population uh, helps contribute to the bacterial population, which creates the now famous biofilms, which consist of sugars, vitamins, and various proteins, which many fishes, both in their juvenile and adult phases, utilize for supplemental nutrition. And of course, as fishes eliminate their waste in metabolic products, this contributes further to the you know, aquatic food change. And yeah, it all starts with a dried up leaf. Pretty incredible. Hence, living, you know, leaving leaves in to fully decay in your aquarium likely reaches a point when the detritus is essentially inert because everybody's utilized this stuff. So the detritus is inert consisting of the skeletonized sections of dead leaf tissues which can't decay any further. Dead leaves contain largely inert forms of polysaccharides and rich in, you know, and the rich in structures like lignin and cellulose, all of which are utilized by various microorganisms and fungi within the food chain in your aquarium, just like in nature. Utilizing leaf litter in our aquariums opens up all sorts of possibilities for really interesting experiments. You can go with just a few leaves or really go crazy with a deep bed of leaf litter in your tank. Now, I personally, you know, have, you know, occasionally will, you know, think about this and, and I've d discussed the idea of creating a really deep leaf litter bed in an aquarium to more accurately, you know, represent, 
some of the litter beds found in South America, Asia, Africa, and elsewhere. By deep, I'm talking like six inches to 12 inches. Um, that's about 15 and a quarter centimeters to 30 and a half centimeters. Yeah, there are deeper leaf lids, in, leaf litter beds in areas, you know, several feet in, in depth. However, for practical aquarium display purposes, I think the rational upper limit is more likely the 12 inch range, the 30 and a half centimeters. Or is it? I mean, there is certainly a difference between the theoretical and the practical, but I can't help but think that there is something beneficial about such a deep leaf litter bed. Perhaps stuff we haven't even imagined yet because we're too busy talking about all the other possible downsides of the idea. And it's intriguing for me to contemplate how to make such an idea work. I mean, it isn't really all that much different than what many of us do now. The main difference being that we'd use more of the same materials. In researching the idea of executing you know, a deep leaf litter bed like this, I thought about what would be the main considerations when attempting to recreate one in an aquarium. In no particular order, here's just a few of the main concerns that I have. Number one, the ratio of leaves to water in a given aquarium could be quite significant. I mean, what size aquarium do I go with? I'm kind of curious about the impact of water quality and oxygen levels within an aquarium with that much decomposing materials in play. I mean, it's even though I haven't had problems during my career, I can see that, you know, managing one of these could be tricky when you have a ton of leaf litter in there. On the other hand, starting from scratch with a new system and cycling it with, you know, bacteria products uh, or seeded substrate materials would no doubt at least kickstart the biological filtration process before leaves ever and fishes ever enter the aquarium. And although the mass of leaves would be considered bioload, I can't help but wonder if it also function as a sort of nutrient processing facility, much in the same way a deep sand bed does in a reef aquarium. I mean, with that much, you know, media surface area, could this be the case, like denitrification by deep leaf litter bed? Maybe. What about the impact on pH, something of course debate constantly? You know, there's been researchers uh, who have looked at natural leaf litter banks who contemplate that the processes which are you know, producing the low pH levels associated with these within these beds, which is sometimes down to like 2.8 to 3.5, aren't even caused by humic acids, which are frequently assumed to be the major contributor, and are not strong enough acids to you know to to drop the pH that low. The possibility suggested by researchers is that fermentation deep within the litter banks is releasing strong organic acids such as acetic acid. Could this happen in the confines of a closed aquarium? I'm honestly not sure. I mean, are we going to end up with kombucha or what are we going to end up with here? But I suppose anything's possible, right? On the other hand, as we've talked about repeatedly, even in water with little to no carbonate hardness, pH impact is likely not strong enough to drop pH into those crazy low regions. Uh, and with, you know, substrates present in most tanks, I think there's probably some degree of buffering which occurs as well. So what about the whole biology part? Well, let's contemplate for a few minutes the role leaf litter plays in natural aquatic ecosystems. Suffice it to say, the leaf litter bed is a surprisingly dynamic and one might even say rich little benthic biotope contained within the otherwise impoverished, I use that in air quotes, waters. And as we've discussed before on these pages and in our blog and, and, and here, you know, in our podcast, it should come as no surprise that a large and surprisingly diverse assemblage of fishes make their homes within and closely adjacent to these leaf litter beds. They're little food oases and otherwise relatively um, sparse areas of food. The fishes are not there just to look at the pretty leaves. They're there for a lot of reasons. Many blackwater rivers are often called impoverished by scientists in terms of you know planktonic production because they show little seasonal fluctuations in algal and bacterial populations. That's a fact born of many years of study by science. However, impoverished doesn't mean devoid of life. 
and in many cases the populations of food organisms do vary from time to time and the fish along with them. As we've discussed repeatedly over the past couple of years, there's so many benefits to putting leaf litter in the aquarium in some capacity that it's, it's hard to overlook, whether it's for water conditioning, supplemental food, a home for specialty fishes, or simply for a cool looking display that'll inspire others. Simply overcoming our ingrained aesthetic preferences and accepting that decomposing leaves are a natural, transitory, and altogether unique habitat to cherish in the aquarium opens up so many amazing possibilities. I hope to see more of you play with leaf litter beds in your aquariums, and I'd love to hear more about your stories, your successes, your failures, your triumphs, all that kind of stuff. It's how we learn. Stay thoughtful, stay creative, stay open-minded, stay unique, stay curious, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.